This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, Canada's largest and most influential association fighting for the interests of Canadians as we age. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Christine Ross for Libby Snymer. New research reveals the staggering amount of food that's wasted in this country instead of being rescued and donated to feed those in need. And is it true everyone has a twin? One Montreal photographer thinks so, and he's on a quest to track down strangers who look alike. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. New guidance suggests that we keep our waist measurement to less than half of our height. The UK's National Institute for Health says people should be encouraged to measure their waist to check that they don't have too much dangerous fat around their middle that can increase the risk of type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, and stroke. Measuring body mass index, or BMI, is also useful, but it doesn't take into account excess weight around the abdomen, which increases the risk. For example, if you're five foot nine, your waist measurement should be less than 34 inches. And this waist-to-height ratio can be used for both sexes and all ethnic groups. It is a miracle how we survive. It's no question about it. They were prisoners in the Holocaust together but haven't seen each other in almost 80 years. 97-year-old Jack Waxall and Sam Ron spent more than a year together in the Pionki forced labor camp in Poland during the Holocaust. After the war, neither man knew if the other had survived. Fast forward to last week, when Waxall recognized Ron at a benefit event in Florida for the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. Both men say it was an emotional reunion. Jack had escaped the camp and survived six months in the forest in the wintertime. Ron was moved to another camp, and then American liberators saved him from a Nazi death march. Quite a phenomenon. He gets 70 years. I don't think people realize how long a, a time that is. A volunteer firefighter in Alberta is celebrating a remarkable achievement. Robert Mitchell has completed just under 26,000 days of service, a volunteer career spanning about 70 years, making him the longest-serving firefighter in Canadian history. Even though Mitchell is almost 90, his dedication hasn't waned. He joined the Lamont Fire Department just out of high school in 1951 and says it's been one of the highlights of his life. Mitchell is one of the founding members of Fire Hall No. 4 that's now named after him. Oprah Winfrey has launched a new health care campaign called Color of Care that highlights the racial disparities in health care. The campaign will follow the premiere of Winfrey's The Color of Care documentary next month. The 68-year-old wants to tell the story about how people of color suffer from the systematically substandard health care in the United States, with the pandemic being a catalyst to shed light on the issue. The year-long campaign will bring together impacted communities, medical and nursing schools, healthcare workers, and policymakers. I'm Christine Ross, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. 
businesses generate millions of tons of surplus edible food every year, but only 4% of it is redistributed to help people in need. A new report from the food rescue organization Second Harvest reveals the severity of Canada's food waste problem and suggests solutions the food industry can implement to resolve the issue. Wasted Opportunity finds a staggering 96% of surplus edible food is wasted instead of being donated to feed those in need. And with nearly two-thirds of Canadians reporting difficulty feeding their families and only getting worse with high inflation, advocates say it's vital to take action now. Lori Nickel is the CEO of Second Harvest, Canada's largest food rescue organization. This is a the third study in a series of studies that quantifies exactly how much food is wasted in this country. Lori, how bad is it? We looked at how much food is being lost and wasted just across the industrial supply chain. So we didn't consider household at all. And how much of that food is edible, good food that should be used for its highest and intended purpose of feeding people, but in fact is being disposed of. And what we learned was only 4% only 4% of all this great, healthy food from farms, fisheries, wholesalers, manufacturers is being redirected to people, and the rest is being disposed of. So it measures, you know, in terms of percentages and how many tons of eligible food in Canada's food system is, is wasted. For many, that's such an abstract number. So for change to happen, what messaging is your organization using to let people know just how staggering food waste is? That's a really good point. It's hard to identify because it is such a big number. So it is enough food for every Canadian, rich or poor, to have a free dinner every day for the next six months. It's 124,000 tractor truckloads, but I even think that might be pretty abstract. And so I think when we can bring it as close to home as possible, can you imagine having a free dinner for the next six months? There have been doomsday climate change reports lately that honestly don't seem to be grabbing the headlines as as many people think they should. We need to start banging the drum. I, I'm with you. I don't think we're taking this as seriously as we should be. And it's not like we don't see it. I mean, we see the fires. We see the floods. It's happening in Canada. Canada's uh, you know temperature is increasing at a higher rate than any other region in the world. So we really need to put this front and center. And when we look at the whole agricultural chain, it's huge. But even if you just take out food waste alone, it's about 8% of our global greenhouse gas emissions. There are so many Canadians who cannot afford food. Coupled now with rising inflation, it's becoming even more difficult. What does this report say about this population and is it growing amid the pandemic? Often what people think about when they think people are food insecure is their food bank. You automatically, your brain goes to food bank. But the reality is there's only about 4,500 food banks in the food bank network. There's 61,000 charities and nonprofits supporting people with food. And what we also identified was it was about 18% of the population that is struggling to access food. Now, that was during COVID, um, and there was a huge problem pre-COVID. And now, to your point, with food inflation happening as a result of a lot of supply chain issues, you know, the cost of food is going up 5, 8, 15%. And so the people that are the lowest income are struggling even more to get good food. And it's also the healthy food that is always hardest to access. This current report that we're speaking of looks at supply chain, not individual households. But I know your organization has done um, previous 
um, reports on that and some sort of sense about the amount of food that Canadian households waste. What is it in terms of the cost that we're throwing away each year? I think it's around $1,200 per household that is being wasted each year. And, you know, nobody wants to waste food. And I believe that. I think we all believe nobody wants to waste food. And people want to save money. It's just making that connection of, you know, it seems like a good deal sometimes at the store when you can get a two-for-one or a three-for-one. But you're not actually getting a deal when you end up throwing two of them away. So bulk shopping is actually not our best friend. But even bigger, and a bigger problem with industrial and household is the myth around best before dates. Best before dates are not expiry dates. There are only five foods that expire in Canada. Everything else is the best before, and it's put on by manufacturers, and it is very conservative. How can business and policymakers turn this around? Well, I think we absolutely need to have some more progressive policies on food loss and waste and really tie them to the climate crisis in a very real way. What we do know is that when policy exists, then it forces industry to innovate. And often, really, for most charities, if there's adequate policy, charity shouldn't exist. My dream is that Second Harvest doesn't need to exist because we've managed the food loss and waste problem and also we've managed the poverty problem. Also, there is this misconception about legal liability. That if I'm donating food as an industry partner, then I might be in some, I'd be compromising my business in some way. And that's simply not true. We have legislation in every province and territory that protects any business from donating from any kind of liability if they donate their food in good faith. Having said that, there's never actually even been a case of legal liability in Canada or the U.S. Lori Nickel, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much. That was Second Harvest CEO Lori Nickel. I'm Christine Ross, and this is the Zoomer Weekend Review. Coming up, a Canadian photographer has been taking photos of twins for the past 20 years. There's only one catch. None of them are actually related. You're listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, brought to you by CARP, bringing you vital information to boost your health, your finances, and your rights. Find out more at carp.ca. seen someone we've mistaken for someone else, and many of us have even been mistaken for another person. The theory that everyone has a doppelganger somewhere in the world has been around for a while, but a Montreal photographer set out on a mission to capture the likeness of people who've never met in a series of black and white portraits. We reached artist and photographer Francois Brunel. What prompted you to uh, launch this project? Well, it's two things. It's first, uh, since uh, I've been a, a young, uh, young person, I would see the, look, these uh, people who look like other people all over the place. You know, and still every day, uh, even this morning, I saw someone who looked like our prime minister. <laughs> I say, "Oh, you look like the prime minister." He said, "Yeah, I've been told that, but it wasn't a compliment, but it was a compliment at the same time." So I see that all the time. The idea germinated. In my mind, like, what if, if if I could bring two people together that look the same, very much the same, and put them in the same room, they would meet for the first time, and then they would be in a state of shock. I was told that I looked like a certain Mr. Bean, <laughs> played by Rowan Atkinson, the uh, English uh, actor. Right. And, uh, and then I didn't know who that was, but I, I saw I saw him once on the... 
on the television and I recognized myself and I said, okay, I must be looking like this guy because it's, uh, it's so obvious. How does it work? I assume you're not just traveling the globe looking for identical strangers. People write to me, uh, people who do have a lookalike, not people who are looking for a lookalike, although lots of people write for that. But if someone, one of your listeners, especially in Toronto, I, I need some more in, or in the Toronto area, in Ontario, they'd say, oh my God, this is good. My 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 husband looks like uh, you know the, the guy next door, and uh, it's incredible. So that's what I need. I need I need to be told that, and uh, eventually I'll I'll get to these people, and uh, I'll photograph them, and they'll be included uh, hopefully in the project. So that's how it works. But uh, at first, I I found some people by myself, but after a ten couple, that was it. I couldn't find more. How many are are you up to now? Uh, it's about uh, roughly 250 pairs. Well, you know, it's got to be a labor of love for you because you've been at it now for two decades. Yes, it's a labor of love and a labor of being a little bit uh, <laughs> crazy, I guess. <laughs> it's, uh, but it changed my life, really, because when I started that, I thought I would you know, bring these people together. They leave, and but uh, because they participate in the project, we we kind of, became uh, co co-author of the photographs and then we we are we are linked by this uh, this thing that we made together so we we're kind of friends will this eventually become a book yes yes i'm i'm working on it and it should be uh, hopefully it should be out next year hopefully because you never know and uh, because of uh, because of covid the uh, lots of things were uh, postponed but uh, Hopefully, uh, it could be next year, and also a big exhibition that uh, that would start in one city and then go from other cities around the, the world. So you said in some cases you're able to bring these total strangers together for this photo shoot, and they aren't shocked? Do, I mean, do they see the connection? Do they see the resemblance in each other? When they come into the, the, the photo session, they the, 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 the they are on standby, you know, they're waiting to see what is, mm-hmm. to see the other person. But right away, they, uh, they see the person that looks a little bit like them, at least. Uh, it's not, they will not be there. So they, they get to be friends very fast. In fact, it's, uh, there, is, there is no case where it, they didn't become instant friends. You've been at it for two decades. Um, you're coming out with a book and an exhibition. What, what continues to motivate you with this Top it with the, this whole idea of doppelgangers from around the world. Yeah, I, I don't know really. It's a, I'm I'm trying to be an artist, and uh, I guess it's just an artistic thing. As looking at the, it's funny because I'm just looking at, at the picture right now in front of me. I'm in front of my computer, and I'm looking. There are two ladies looking at me, and I, I look at them, and I don't know. I'm fascinated by that. I guess your work is kind of affirming what everybody believes or what we've been told is that we. We all have a twin somewhere out there. Yes, it's, it's, somebody told me, and well, many people told me, we have supposedly seven twins around the world, but uh, maybe more than that. Where can people go if they want to get in touch with you, or where can they go to see these fascinating side-by-side portraits that you have? Yeah, well, they, they can go on my website, which is, uh, there's my name, francoisbrunel.com. And uh, there's in, in the info. There's a little. Uh, it's in French and English, so it's uh, it tells what to do if you, someone wants to participate. But I would be very happy. Some some people from your area and uh, Ontario in general would be 
willing to participate, but if they do have a lookalike, I'm not matching lookalike. Some other people do that, but I'm trying to photograph people who already have a lookalike who know about a lookalike. Francois, thank you so much for this and all the best with your book and your exhibition. Thank you very much, uh, Christine, and I hope to get some uh, some new friends in Toronto or, or around Toronto. <laughs> that was Montreal photographer Francois Brunel. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Christine Ross for Libby's Nimer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.